0: So the new year stands before us. What does that look like? What does that look like? Does it look like a a whole new chapter in a book waiting to be written where we open up the pages and suddenly we find that the pages are blank? I'm really excited about that. Because you know what we're going to do? We're going to do some writing this year. We're going to write on those blank pages. We're going to write the words that God gives us. We're going to write the promises that God gives us. We're going to write the plans that God gives us. Or am I the only one that's going to do that this year? (laughs) Bless her, Ross. It constantly marvels me and surprises me, although it shouldn't because it happens so regularly. Rebecca? Proverbs 16.9 in my notes. (laughs) Here we go. She's literally just got back from holiday. Did you have a microphone in my office at home or something? That would be creepy. Yes, it would be. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. If you want to live the greatest adventure you could ever live, just say yes to God and let Him plan your steps. Any adrenaline junkies in the house? Anyone like jumping off big rocks into rivers? Anyone not done bungee jumping that wants to do bungee jumping? Oh, my word. We need to hire a bus. Scott, we need a bus. (laughs) <laughs> I have I went bungee jumping and I didn't even know where I was going my wife we, we dobbed a good friend of ours and he, he stood in front of his church and he said I don't have a problem with jumping it's the falling after the jump that I don't like and then he really did a dumb thing he said to his church I've never ever wanted to do bungee jumping but if someone wanted to pay for it I'd have to He said that to the wrong people. And so we were at a, we were at a, a senior pastor's gathering, and, and his wife um, let a few of us know that someone in his church had said, I'll take you up on that. And they paid for it. And then after she said that to Sue, she goes, We'll send Tom as well. <laughs> I got very quiet, didn't I, hun? we We're on the bus. We we're down in Queenstown. We were, on the, we we're on the bus heading out to the Koara Bridge, and they put the soundtrack on the bus. And the first song was Jump. And the second song on the, on the, on the playlist was Another One Bites the Dust. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, good on ya. Good on ya. The great author C.S. Lewis, famous for The line the Witch, in the Water, the, Na- the Narnia series, or for those who like to read a little bit more heavier, the screw Tape Letters he said He's quoted as saying this, you are never too old to set another goal or to dream another dream. You are never too old to set another goal or dream another dream. And here's an amazing promise to start a brand new year with. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, the first part. It says this, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Wow, what a, what a, I remember the day I was given the car keys by my dad. I nearly fell over. I was like, oh, I'm a free man. Well, actually not quite, because I know as soon as I get back, he'll check the gas gauge and every inch of the car to see if there's a scratch or a dent. But to be given the keys to the kingdom of heaven, there's a however with that promise, a very large however with that promise. I want to put it to you in a question. What good are a set of keys if we don't actually use them? What good are a set of keys if we don't actually use them to either unlock or lock something? So over the next couple of weeks, today and next Sunday, we're going to dig into a mini-series called Keys. I really believe God's planted something in my spirit to sow into your lives uh, that will help establish better habits and better lifestyles. So before we go anywhere else, can we just, let's just pause And let's just lean in and pray. Thank you, Jesus. First Sunday of a whole new year, God. The pages before us are blank. Our pens are ready. Holy Spirit, would you come and speak into our hearts and into our minds. Lord, would you give us dreams? Would you give us plans? Would you show us the way? The Bible says that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord God, would you be that lamp? Would you be that light? Would you explode revelation into our hearts and in our minds? It also says in the word that you'll make a way where there seems no way, and your way is the path everlasting life. God, that's the path we want to be on. So come, oh, Spirit of God, fill this house like perhaps never before with revelation anointing, healing and restoration in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Hey, just want to say a huge good morning and a welcome to everyone joining us online. Can we just welcome our online family? God bless you. Thank you from wherever you are, <laughs> from whatever town, city, or nation that you're joining, joining us from, God bless you. And actually, you know, talking about God setting our steps and ordering our steps, I just want to I just want to do a shout out to that young lady who was courageous this morning and you included us in your journey. 60 Days Sober. Where are you? I don't, want to, I don't want to embarrass you, but you have included us in your journey. You've trusted us with your journey. Man, God bless you. Good on you. Come on. Come on. That is so, so, so good. You know, it's tradition that on day one of the year, we set a New Year's resolution, and on day two, we ignore it. You know, there is one company across the face of the world that loves New Year's Day, because they set their budget on it, and that's every gym in town. I I read a a meme the other day, it said, oh darn it, it's the 2nd of January, and I still haven't gone to the gym, that's 11 years in a row now. (laughs) Anyone like that? (laughs) Gyms love people like that. I'll take your subscription, you won't wear my gear out, because I know you won't come. But here's the thing, Uh, James Clear, He's an author, a speaker, and a performance coach for both high-end athletes and executives in the States. And this is a quote from him, new goals don't deliver new results, new lifestyles do. A lifestyle is a process, not an outcome. For this reason, all of your energy should go into building better habits, not chasing better results. (laughs) Building better habits, not chasing better results. That promise that I just read to you out of Matthew uh, chapter uh, 16, was it 16? Yep, Matthew chapter 16, where where Jesus said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. That promise was given to the apostle Peter and his mates and the disciples when when Peter answered the question that Jesus asked in verse 15. And the question that he asked was, Who do you say that I am? Previous to that, he said, what, "What are people saying about me? Who do they say I oh, Someone says Elijah. Someone says someone says and He goes, "Yeah, but who do, who do you say that I am?" And from the revelation that God Himself gave Peter, He responded to him. He said, "You are the Messiah. You are the Lord. You are the Living God." And I just, I just love how absolutely sure Peter was in that response, because earlier in their journey with with, uh, Jesus, he he brought a teaching that was particularly difficult to understand, and it was really hard for for the disciples to understand. Now, I actually, you know what? I I love the fact that you kids, all you kids are in with us this morning because I want to share something with you that the disciples, most of the disciples were in their teenage years. There are some theologians that say that Peter was the oldest one, and he was in his early 20s. But you know what? There is someone in the Bible who's even younger who was absolutely sure of who God was. And he was three years old. Can anyone tell me? Kids, kids only. Okay, kids, you're gonna show up, mom and dad. Who was someone in the Bible in the Old Testament who absolutely knew God and knew the sound of his voice? And he was only three years old. Let's see. No, Jesus didn't come to the New Testament, but yeah, he does know the voice of his dad. That's a really good response. Okay, there's a hand right in the middle here. Samuel, three years old, and he was convinced on the sound and the voice of God. And so kids, I I need you guys to lean in and listen to what I'm teaching this morning because this is really important for you as well. See, Jesus taught this really, really tough thing and and a lot of adults went, I'm out. I'm literally, I'm out of here. And then he turned around to his 12 and in John chapter 6, verses 67 through to 69 from the message translation, this is what it says. And Jesus gave the 12 their chance. Do you also want to leave? He asked. Peter replied, Master, to whom would we go? You have the words of real life, eternal life. We've already committed ourselves confident that you are the Holy One of God. Oh man, what a statement. You have the words of real life, eternal life. We have already committed ourselves, confident that you are the Holy One of God. There are two keys in there straight away, which I'll wrap into one. I love where he says, Peter says, we've already committed ourselves. Can I really encourage you all this year to make one choice, not 52? What is that one choice? Jesus is important and gathering is important. Let's make one choice that will be at church. Let's not make a choice each week. Let's make one, not 52 choices. I have already committed. That's what they said. And confident that you are the Holy One of God. Here's the biggest key I want to drop drop into your hearts this morning. A singular best way to start the year is this. Be convinced of God. Be absolutely convinced that He is who He says He is, and He'll do what what He says He'll do. Roman uh the the apostle paul writing a letter to the romans he was speaking of abraham in chapter 4 verse 21 he says this he this is abraham was fully convinced that god is able to do whatever he promises how do we know that well abraham was 100 and sarah was in her 90s and they had a baby any ladies who are over 60 want to have another baby Nervous laughter amongst the house. I think Sarah was very excited because it was her first baby. But he was fully convinced. They say that when Abraham took Isaac up onto the mountain to offer, I just read it this morning in my quiet time, to offer Isaac as a sacrifice to God, people go, why would he do that? Isaac was the promised child that God promised him. And I think this statement here, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. I think Abraham was, well, if God wants this son, he'll give me another one. And to Timothy, again, the Apostle Paul writing to his young, his young Padawan, his apprentice, Timothy. To Timothy 1 verse 12. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Philippians, again the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians in chapter 1 verse 6, And I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it all to full completion in you. Can you start the year being convinced in God and being convinced of his promises? Oh my word, it just like That is the best way to start. You know what, when, we are, we're, when we're stuck, when we're locked in uncertainty, locked in addiction or shame or anger or unforgiveness or pointlessness, or I have no idea where I'm going in need of help or guidance, our desperate plea may well be, what is it that's gonna unlock this? I know I've cried that out. The turning point is to get the revelation from God. That's what the apostles had. All these people turned their back on Jesus, but they had a revelation. You are the Messiah. He was the key to freedom. But you know what, when it comes to keys, anyone got their car keys in their pocket? Does anyone ever just carry one key? Just one key. Is it the key to the house? Yeah, there we go. All right. You must be a teenager. (laughs) I've actually, I've I've cut my keys, cut them down. I haven't cut my keys. I haven't cut my own keys, okay? (laughs) But I have reduced the number of keys on my key ring. But you know what? We wander around with all these keys, and some of us forget which one's which. Some of us know them, but we go, oh yeah, no, it's not that one. It's not that one. I've got two keys that look identical. One's for Two different, they're for two different doors in the house but they look identical and how I tell them apart is one is shinier than the other so guess which one I use the most the shiny one which key from a practical sense in days gone by quite often we only would have one key for the front door or for the car, no, oh not the car the front door, hey you haven't got the key to the car yet have you Elliot, no <laughs> No, his dad is shaking his head furiously up the back. No, definitely not. <laughs> but you know what? It's no. We no longer live. Uh, you know, back in the day, I had a key for my house. And guess what? My house key unlocked half the houses in the neighborhood. <laughs> and the other key for the neighborhood unlocked the other half. And he lived next door. That's how old-fashioned keys used to be. But not today. Oh, yeah. Actually, I used to be able to start my car with a screwdriver. I didn't even need a key. It was a holding. It was a good car. It was bulletproof. Today, we've got door keys. We've got security keys that open some doors, but not all of them. We've got map keys, control keys, pass keys, function keys, navigation keys, numeric keys. We even have keyless keys and music keys. And a music key is a really important one because if you don't know what the key is, you're going to sound really bad. All of this to say that we need to know and understand the correct key and where to use it if we want to see breakthrough in our lives. As a pastor over the years, I've I've seen people from a spiritual point of view, because keys are both natural and spiritual, they're practical and behavioral, they're also physical and mental. Keys are very, very important in our lives. And I've seen people, they've come to me and they've gone, Pastor, God's not answering my prayers, I've been giving more and I've been giving more, but He's not answering my prayers And so I sit down and talk with them and I go, well, tell me about your life, what's happening in your life. And I find that their lives are filled with unforgiveness. You know what the scripture says? (laughs) If you want your prayers to be answered, don't carry unforgiveness. Actually, that one specifically targets marriage. It actually specifically targets men. Men, if you want your prayers answered, make sure you don't carry unforgiveness towards your wife. And I've had people going, come and see me. Oh, pastor, I just need, so, I just need some extra in my life. I, I've, been I've been praying and 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 I've been praying, but nothing's happening. And so I ask them a very awkward question. And I say, I say I'm really pleased to hear that you're praying. But the question is, what are you sowing? Now, instantly went quiet because I think 98% of you thought I was about to start talking about money. That is part of it. It's not the whole thing. What are you sowing? Are you sowing of friendship? Are you sowing of your gifts and your talents? Are you sowing of your time? Are you sowing of just being able to stop and listen to someone? The Bible says, if you want a friend, be friendly. There's a key. <laughs> if you want friends, be friendly. It's not rocket science. But what, what is the key? What is the key? But even if you know what the right key is, what point is the key if you don't use it? I mean, I got all these really great keys. But if I don't use the blue one, I can't get into my house. Actually, you know what, on this, I gave you the key right at the beginning, being convinced of God. But I want to tell you something, being convinced of God is useless until you put that into action. You know what? Stepping out in faith is acting on the convinced. It's all very well going, yes, I know God is who he says he is. What are you doing about it? Yes, I know I've read in the Bible it says God heals. Are you praying for anybody to be healed? Yes, I know that the scriptures tell me that it's the word of the truth and it's for salvation and everything. But have you asked his forgiveness and have you asked him into your life? As a kid I used to collect keys. I had a box, a shoebox full of keys. At first my friends thought that was really dodgy because I had no idea what I wanted to do with those keys. And then they suddenly realized that I had no ideas, no idea what all those keys did. <laughs> but there was something for me as a kid, there was something fascinating about keys these keys represented the power of freedom because i wanted dad's car um, but that wasn't the key i had but they also represented the doorway to adventure and to a young lad freedom and adventure woo come on baby i had a powerful horse i had a sword and i had a helmet and i had a backpack with a banana in it i was on my way Keys represented freedom. They represented adventure. They represented something that could unlock a dream. See, keys will both lock and unlock. They let us into things or they keep us out of things. And we need both. We need both. Keys are symbols of authority. They represent a person's right to enter. I have this key and it gives me the right to enter my house. If I was to give this key to Sam say, Sam, I'm going to be away for the next six months, I give him the authority to enter my house. But guess what? Keys also don't just give you the authority to enter. Keys give you access to everything that is within that place. So if I'm away for six months and I give Sam the key to my house, he doesn't just get in the front door, he gets into the fridge. (laughs) And that's okay, because he's a fridge friend. (laughs) I'll have the key back now. (laughs) So I want you to understand this. I'm going to bring this into land, and it's such a powerful thing. Keys will lock or unlock. Keys give you authority, but they also give you access to everything that is within. And it gives you the right to use it. An amazing example of this in the Bible is in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 22, it says this, and I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Now, this is a really interesting story, because the he that is going to be given the key is a guy by the name of Eliakim. Eliakim is replacing a guy who is useless. And he is going to—he being promoted as King Hezekiah's prime minister. So King Hezekiah was the king of Judah, and Eliakim was going to become his, his prime minister. And it says of him, the key to the house of David will be on his shoulder. And so key holders in the Old Testament, they had a hook that they would put over their shoulder, and the key would hang on it, and it would hang between their arm and their chest. I want you to think about the location of the key the key was close to their heart. The key meant that they were a trusted person. The key meant that they had the authority not just to open or close, not just to have access, but also to be able to access every resource in that house. The level of trust given with that key, there's an old-fashioned word in stewardship. If we get given a key, we need to be faithful and trustworthy to steward what that key means it gave him the authority to open and close King Hezekiah's house it gave him access to the house it gave him access to all of the resources and it gave him the authority to use all those resources as his prime minister now I want you to follow me really closely here okay even you three year olds we got some Samuels in the house that's one of my common prayers for our children's ministry that the Holy Spirit would come and grab hold of all our little kids, and we'd have a whole bunch of Samuels in the house. I've said this to every children's pastor I've had that if during the program that we have for our kids, which isn't running this week or next week, but it kicks into gear shortly again, but if any time, Shalani, where are you, Shalani? Give me a wave. Where are you? He's probably out there with some kids somewhere in the crash. Okay. If a kid is in our children's program, and they become absolutely moved by the power of God and convinced that they have a word from God for me or for the church, I've said to every children's pastor I've had, you make sure you send them in. I will stop the service to hear that. Because when I read the Bible, there is no senior, junior, or middle Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that's presence in the power of God, called Samuel at three, and he spoke to Abraham in his hundreds We've just, I've just taken you and I've, I've showed you basically the story of Eliakim. Did you know what Eliakim's name means? It's a Hebrew name, which, which means this, whom God will raise up or the resurrection of God. Whom God will raise up or the resurrection of God. Now it says in Isaiah that I will give him the keys to the house of David. In the scriptures, when we read of different events and things like this, there's a theological study word. It's a big wheelbarrow word for for some of you younger ones. It's called foreshadowing. It's kind of like a prophetic picture or a prophetic telling of something that something or someone who is to come. And Eliakim, whose name means whom God will raise up or the resurrection of God. Eliakim was a foreshadowing of Jesus. It says of Eliakim, I will give him the key to the house of David. If we jump forward into the last book of the Bible in Revelation chapter three, verse seven, and this comes from the complete Jewish Bible, it says, here is the message of Hakodosh, the holy one, blessed be he, the true one, the one who has the key of David, who if he opens something, no one can shut it. And if he closes something, no one can open it. Okay, so we've had Eliakim in the Old Testament, who is a foreshadow of Jesus. He's given the keys to the house of David. Jesus now has the keys to the house of David. Now, let me take you back to the very first second scripture I gave you, Matthew 16, and read you the whole verse. And this is what it says. Remember, this is Jesus himself talking to his disciples, okay? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind or lock, On earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose or unlock on earth will be loosed in heaven. Can you see where this is going? In the same manner that Eliakim had access and the stewardship of of King Hezekiah's house, in the same way that that stewardship, that authority, that key authority and access was given to Jesus, who was the steward of the the heavens. Heavens are his throne, the earth is his foot. So he owns it all, has the key to it all. He then says, I am giving. Everyone say me. Hey. He's giving you that key. Yeah, what does that mean? What does that, what does that mean? It means you have access to the house of God. It means you have access to the resources of the house of God. That means you have access and right to access and right to be part of a life filled with life. A life filled with hope. A life filled with purpose. Why? Because within the house of God, there is life and there is hope and there is purpose. And you have the keys. Isaiah was giving us a real life preview of a leader who wasn't only going to be given keys, but was going to become the key. Jesus says of himself, no one comes to the father but through me. So if we want to have access to the father, we need to know the key. And his name is Jesus. What, is, what does this mean for you now, the, that Christ, the key holder, the king of, to the kingdom of heaven, he came, he died, he rose again, he's now seated at the right hand of God, his Father in heaven, and he has declared, that, and he has sent the Holy Spirit, and he has declared to his disciples that he is going to give them the keys. Whilst the Bible is historical, it's also both relevant for now. And like I've said many times, when I read the scriptures, I, I work to put myself in the story. When I read that, I'm going to give you the keys to heaven. I was like, oh, oh, oh that's a big responsibility. <laughs> but you know what it means? Where it says, what he shuts, no one can open, and what he opens, no one can shut. You know what he's done? He has opened the way to God the Father. You know what that means? it means you can't be locked out, you can't be cancelled out, you can't be thrown out, and you can't be forgotten about. You can't be locked out, you can't be cancelled out, you can't be thrown out, and you can't be forgotten about. You can't be locked out, you can't be thrown out, you can't be cancelled out, and you can't be forgotten about. Someone needs to hear this. You can't be locked out. You can't be cancelled out. You can't be thrown out and you can't be forgotten about. That is the heart of God for you. That is the key to a whole new life, the key to a whole new year. You can't be locked out. You can't be forgotten about. You can't be canceled out. You can't be thrown out because the price has been paid by Jesus on the cross. The blood has been shed. The sins have been forgiven. You can be made whole by the name of Jesus Christ. You can't be locked out. You can't be thrown out. You can't be cancelled out. You can't be forgotten about. Do I need to keep preaching? You can't be locked out. You can't be thrown out. You can't be cancelled out. You will not be forgotten about. Any Pentecostals in the house today? <laughs> I think I just set off a magnitude eight earthquake in heaven because Auntie Hilda just saw me stand on the seat. <laughs> For those of you who don't know that, every church has an auntie. And we had Auntie Hilda here for many, many years. And when I stood on the seats, I got scolded. <laughs> and so I would go, hi, Auntie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, even though we've done nothing to deserve that access, that's the level of the love of God towards you. We want to make room for him this morning.